Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. Today on the A to Z Running Podcast, we're talking about pacing. We have race director and 40-time race pacer, Andrew Bukema, to join us to discuss this topic. And we are going to try something new this week that hopefully will become a routine if it proves productive. So me, being who I am and the way I am, tend to like to know what is it that you're going to tell me about before you tell me about it so that I can think about it while you're telling me about it. Um, And in doing that, I thought it could be very helpful to establish for each of our topics before the conversation, three things. We're going to call it three things so that you can clearly see it's about three things. And in those three things, we're going to set up for you what are kind of the three big takeaways that we feel like you can glean something practical and productive from the conversation. So, of course, that does not limit your insights to only those three things, but it might be helpful. So for this episode, three things in our conversation with Andrew, certainly if you're thinking about in any stretch of the the concept, the pacing idea, um, definitely wondering how do you train for that kind of a thing. So we'll address that. Also, the unique motivation that tends to come from an experience like this. We'll talk about what that means and helping drain a race. Mm -hmm. What does it look like? Cool. Well, we're excited to get to that topic, but we also have a couple other exciting things in the world of running that we're discussing, including the 15K US Championships. And we have an exclusive with the men's champion, Clayton Young. So you can listen for that. We also will talk about the Olympics as well as a world record. Excellent stuff. So you need to go to a to z running.com and click the word follow so that you are part of the cool people. Oh, and goodness. on You're all, all cool of, no matter what. Especially when you follow on a to z running.com and on YouTube, subscribe and on all of the various podcast platforms, whichever one you choose to listen to most, subscribe there so you don't miss the latest content because every week something amazing happens mm-hmm. within these few minutes and you you've got to hear it. Also, we want to hear you and your thoughts and your questions as well. And so post comments, questions, and things like that. As always, we want to share at least one every single episode. And in this in particular case, we have a great question from Laura. She posted on the blog, in fact, asking a question about hydration and fueling during Mm -hmm. races. A very important question for all of, us to, all of us to be thinking about, especially the longer distance runners. So the, the situation is with COVID being as it is still currently, hydration stations are looking very different yeah. than they traditionally might. And so a lot of them are doing this whole DIY thing, you know, basically find a cup, fill it up at, a, at some kind of tank, and that's the aid station. Now, naturally that's going to slow you down because you got to stop, fill a cup and, you know, do those things. So the first consideration is, should I just carry my own bottles instead? Mm-hmm. Many do not like to do that. We understand why, because, you know, six, eight, 12 ounces, extra weight, as well as the sloshing around that the bottle does while you're carrying it. Not great. Not ideal. Laura did ask about the flip belt. Many of you have been talking about those. That might be an, an easier way to carry something like these bottles. Um, my thought to Laura, as she was asking about this, and to anyone out there, is I 
if it matters, here's, this is the simple rule applied. If it matters, don't leave it up to someone else or chance. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if taking aid or hydration in your race matters, don't just hope the aid stations are going to work out. Never do that. So, you know, bring the kind of fluid that you like the most, that you know your body handles the best and you, that you've trained and practiced with all that kind of stuff. However, I also have in the back of my thought a, if the race is under two hours, there's a very important consideration about do you actually need to take hydration? And of course, if it's a very hot day, humidity or something like that. But all things considered, if you're going to take something in the race, don't leave it up to other people mm. to decide what and when that is. Very good. I like to use a small handheld for a half marathon, just a small one, and it doesn't slosh around nearly as much. So that's just my two cents. We also like to break rules and hand bottles to each don't other say when we're. That. Oh, sorry, that's not true. We <laughs> don't do that. Okay, so moving on, we at the very least need to make sure to talk to you about Knock Around because they've got so yeah. many more great things going in the world of shades and sunglasses, and the sunshine is nearer and dearer to many of our eyes, at least than it has been recently in Michigan. So. In case you don't have handfuls of sunglasses yet, you should because they're a great price point on Knockaround. They're running sales all over the place. You can get 15% off your first order with this link we have posted on adzrunning.com. And there's great prices anyway. Yeah, right now they're actually doing a sale, so you can get 40% off. And I saw prices as low as $9, quite a few of them at $9. And there's free shipping on all orders. And they constantly do promotional so types of things like, you know, free holiday glasses. If you jumped on that during the holiday season, <laughs> it's just great. So yeah. knock around for your sunglasses needs and you do need them soon. So we do we have a disclaimer. We are an affiliate. So it is an affiliate link. Oh, yeah. We have to tell them that, they give yeah. us money for things like this. <laughs> so help us get more money by buying knockarounds. Well, let's get to this world of running because it is amazing. This week for the world of running, we're starting with something personal. In Grand Rapids, the Shamrock Shenanigans 5K went down and two A to Z runners got PRs. Congratulations to Mark on your 29-second PR and Kate on your 44-second PR. Substantial. Yes. And in case you're curious, what does it mean to be an A to Z runner? It means you are coached by A to Z running a.k.a. Andy and Zach, and you can be an A to Z runner and run substantial PRs yourself as well simply by going to azrunning.com slash coaching and give us a contact. We'll get in touch. Awesome. Well, in China, the Chinese race walking championships happened. It was a 20K and the world record was broken. Substantial. So in Huangshan, China on March 20th, Yang Jiayu ran a massive world record mm -hmm. time and these kinds of things by the and i say ran she walked a massive world record time these kinds of things are incredible to me how fast these walkers mm -hmm. move and having some friends and teammates over the years who have been substantial race walkers themselves it is an exciting event for us on a personal level there too now of course for everyone else it should be exciting because it's an olympic event yeah. and this is an olympics year or it was an Olympics year and is an Olympic summer. And you can watch and learn more about race walk that way as well. So 
Naturally, we've got another championship to talk about because on March 20th in Jacksonville, Florida, the U.S. 15-kilometer road racing championships. Emily Sisson claimed the women's title, and it was the fifth fastest time ever for a U.S. woman in the 15K. And she also won the Battle of the Sexes. So there's a bonus, a $5,000 bonus for if the woman beats the man who started behind Whichever them by one. six minutes. <laughs> yeah, so the women get a six-minute head start, and it's the time is scaled. It's it's a scaled time. So if it's like 25K, it's a longer head start. But the women get a head start over the men, and whichever one wins, a woman or a man, gets the 5K bonus. Gotcha. Payout. Okay. I'm glad that you explained that a little bit better. For the men, Clayton Young... We mentioned him in the beginning of this episode because we have an exclusive with him, a super interesting recap, play-by-play from the champion himself. For those of you who don't know Clayton, he runs for ASICS, and in 2019, he was the NCAA 10K champion representing BYU. So here's our exclusive with Clayton. Clayton Young here, ASICS Pro Athlete. Thanks for having me on. I just want to give a little bit of a race recap of this last Saturday. Uh, first one deciding to to run this race, I was talking with my agent and he told me about this race, the Gate River Run, and how it would be a good opportunity. And so I went and talked to my coach, Ed Eyestone, two-time Olympian. And when I was talking to him, he's like, wait a second, is this the Gate River Run, the 15K champs? And I was like, yep. The one with the green monster? And I was like, yep. And he's like, you know, I won that back in the day and I think it'd be a good race for you. And so kind of had some good confidence and some inside information going into this race and I felt pretty confident. Uh, but honestly, towing the line, I was a little bit skeptical. Um, I kind of had a lackluster indoor outdoor track season the last six months or so and uh, was really looking for more. Um, I'd kind of had been struggling with some iron deficiencies and some other things and so I didn't know where I would stand at the end of the day. But the gun went off and I decided uh, to put myself in the mix. Um, my teammate, Jared Ward, who's run the race before, he gave me some great advice and he said, you know what, just be sure to cover moves and uh, when you get to the top of the green monster, just have your eyes open and, and uh, make your move when you can. And that was kind of the game plan I followed. And so about three, four miles into the race, um, Kip Chichir actually ended up falling in it and I, I kind of was a little bit nervous because it was right next to him when he, I was right next to him when he fell. But by the mile four, he was back in the front and he was really pushing the pace and I just knew that I had to cover the move. And so it really strung things out um, in the pack and we were kind of single file there for a while. But it eventually ended up bunching up quite a bit and the miles just kind of kept clipping by, uh, especially through the neighborhoods. Um, But um, Rainier actually took it out early from the gun and and I could tell that we were slowly closing on him and I wondered what was going to happen when we got to the front of of the race again and uh, he kept throwing in these surges um, by the time we caught him you know we would turn into a headwind and everybody would get timid to lead and it was kind of this tactical race Uh, but Rainier would always jump to the front and uh, gun up ahead of everybody Um, but we would just kind of cover his move and um, try to stick on and it would string out again and so it was kind of this cat and mouse game with Rainier and and, uh, the rest of the team or I guess the rest of the racers out there. Uh, but we eventually got to the Green Monster, and, and I hadn't run this part of the course yet. I'd previewed a lot of the course, but I hadn't run this part. And so as we came up to it, 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 was, it was a monster. It was big, and uh, it was right into a headwind. And so we started headed up this hill, and I was like, man, I'm for sure going to be dropped going up this thing. But everybody actually kind of felt the pain of the wind and, and really didn't want to lead. 
And so I kind of stuck in the pack and just tried to hunker down and conserve energy. And uh, we slowly started cresting it. And one of my mantras whenever it comes to hill racing is to um, conserve energy or maintain pace up the hill and then surge at the top. And so we got to the top and, and of course there was a surge from everybody and we started cruising down the other side of the green monster. And as we started cruising down, uh, I could tell that the pack had kind of dwindled down to about eight to 10 of us. And I was like, awesome. Uh, this is going to be a great day no matter what. Uh, I'm already exceeding expectations off of my mediocre indoor-outdoor track season. And uh, it's, all just, it's all just gravy from here. And I was a little bit unsure. I knew that at the top of the hill, it was about a mile to the finish line. Uh, but I still was kind of unsure where that would be. And so as we headed toward uh, the stadium and we rounded the corner, um, the last 300 meters, uh, I looked up and I saw the finish line. It was the first time I'd seen the finish line. And I, I told myself, I was like, wow, I can go as fast as I can from here to there. And, uh, and so I better go now. And so uh, at this point, Kipchichir had kind of made a move. And I, I wasn't sure if it was his final move. Um, but I covered it. And then, like I said, that last 300 meters, I saw the finish line. And I was like, it's now or never. And so I gunned it and uh, flew by Kipchichir and honestly just ran for my life. And usually, uh, like any good road race, you, you like to celebrate at the end. But there was none of that. It was all the way to the wire. And I happened to uh, cross with two seconds to spare. And it, it really started to overcome me. Um, like I said, it had been a rough go the last uh, six months and even year and a half as a pro athlete. I hadn't really had the chance to really prove um, my self-worth as a pro athlete. You know, I was an NCAA 10K national champion, but uh, that was long in the past. And uh, it felt good to, um, to kind of be out there again and to kind of put myself in the mix again. And uh, there's nothing better than having the American flag draped around you. Um, proud to be American. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. So the, yeah. really getting to see into the heart of the experience and always appreciate. We love getting to know the, the intimate details of these kinds of things. It's so exciting. So congrats, Clayton, on the win, as well as just on being in, in a good place in training. You know, the, mm -hmm. the post-collegiate experience is not always easy for people. And, and you're in a good spot right now. And we hope the best for you in the coming season. Absolutely. So we've promised this because we previewed it last week, but the NCAA championships happened last week. So a little over a week ago and man, amazing stuff happens Zach, go ahead. So in Stillwater, Oklahoma on the 15th of March, the NCAA held the second championship in as many days because the indoor track yeah. championships ended two days earlier. Um, and this of course is a postponed championship. It's as a matter of fact, looking back on the records, there's only one calendar year since the NCAA began cross country championships in 1938 that they have missed a championship and that was in 1943 mm. so 2020 marks only the second wow. occurrence um and that's substantial however they didn't cancel it outright they postponed it and this was that so for the men's race if anyone's been following ncaa cross country recently the talk of the town is of course nau northern arizona university who by the way the head coach of the program there mike is also the coach of Galen Rupp. And that was oh. kind of like big news when Galen made the change after all the Salazar business fell apart. So Galen went over to run with Mike, who, well, he still lives in Oregon, but he's coached by Mike. And, you know, naturally you can see why that was a good choice for Galen because this guy knows his stuff. Yeah. Namely, by putting four individual athletes in the top nine finishers of the NCAA Cross Country Championship. That doesn't happen much, folks. Mm -mm. We're talking about of the top 10 cross-country athletes in the country in the NCAA Division One, 
four of them were on the same team. That is solid. Yep. And so they won with 60 points. Oh, did they? Did they win? They won. And hey, you won <laughs> with course. 60 points, which if you're counting, that's a low score matters in cross country, just like golf. And 60 points is the second, is the lowest score since like 2005. Okay. Crazy. So that's, that's good. Interesting. By the way, individual champion was of BYU, Connor Mance. And oh, yeah. especially significant because Connor actually currently trains to some degree with Clayton Young whom we were just talking about. Yeah, okay. And so Connor won the NCAA title for the individual athlete, and this is, again, substantial because this marks now the first U.S.-born athlete to win NCAA cross-country since Galen Rupp did it in 2008. That's an interesting little factoid there. That's an interesting little tidbit. So So 12, 13 years if you're counting on the calendar. That's something. Connor, nice work. For the women then, a strong performance by BYU's women's team to take the title. They won by over 60 points ahead of the next team, which is not easy to do in cross country at that level. Mm. And they did. However, the individual champion was of Alabama, and that was Mercy Shalangat of Kenya, who won in a hard-fought battle just a few seconds on the line that's really good stuff so exciting Exciting. i love those kind of races now for an olympics update all of you want to know about the olympics at least i do and it's been officially announced that there will be no foreign spectators Mm. so if any of you have tickets or want to to change your nationality to japanese within the next yes they are allowing uh nationals (laughs) to uh, to watch these events so all those tickets remain upheld but the rest of them I think they're trying to sort out reimbursement for those people. So I, you know, I'm glad to see them actually say something and to make decisions because that makes me feel like it's closer to the Olympic Games. These plannings are happening and everything is being considered. But we're very sad. Yeah. Because. We weren't going to. Not us. (laughs) We didn't have tickets. We weren't going to be there. All right. So that wraps up World of Running. Of course, there's so many other things we just could not get to because we have to jump on to our main topic and our conversation with Andrew. Well, as noted, for the main topic, we're going to talk about pacing and especially thinking about what it takes to kind of experience the pacer experience. So we have an expert to address that. But before we do, we want to make sure to remind you of those three things. So as you're listening to Andrew discuss with us the concepts herein, be sure to tune into these three key takeaway areas. One is training. What does that look like for a pacer? The second is helping dream the race. There's some uh, some interesting tidbits there from Andrew, as well as the unique motivation that he suggests within this kind of an experience. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be rich and good, but Andrew also, being the race director of Rivertown Races, co-race director, that uh, is going to be on April 24th in Grand Rapids, Michigan, he wanted to share some inside considerations and insights for all of you in just thinking about the race experience amidst the COVID scenario scenario as we see it as well as anyone who's interested in participating in that exact event mm-hmm. he's got some good things for you to be thinking about and spoiler alert there's going to be a giveaway because <sighs> i know i told them right now free but, and you need race to listen entries. to the end of the episode uh free race entries and guess what it's full so this is super exclusive this is really <laughs> important because yeah. you can still run it even if it's full yeah and 
there are free race entries for some other event as well. It's not just this one. We've got uh, some good stuff in store for you. So we'll tell you at the end of the episode how you can enter. But let's talk about Andrew Bukema. He is a race director, of course, of Rivertown Races and has much experience in the race directing and event world of running. He's also paced over 40 times. Well, then. Yes. And that's why we brought him onto the shows, because he has been a hero to many in achieving goals. And we think it's a really valiant effort to be made to bring people together in this running community to help one another and spur one another along. So without further ado, let's talk to Andrew. Andrew, welcome back to the show. Although for our audience, this is not a back. So I I have to preface everything by saying this before I even let you say a word. Um, We've done this already, folks. Uh, As a matter of fact, it was very nearly a year ago to the day when we sat down and recorded a conversation very similar to right now. And then the world changed and we didn't end up publishing because it was specifically tied to your event, which we'll get to shortly. But for our audience's sake, this is gonna be a great time because we've already rehearsed the conversation entirely. So thanks, welcome back and thanks for joining us again. I'm glad I had a year to prepare again for this conversation. So I appreciate you guys having me back. Well, we we thoroughly enjoy what you do in the running community. Um, there's a couple of different reasons for that, and that's part of why we wanted to have you on now. Uh, but we also just have appreciated the interactions with you now, it, ourselves and yourself, over the last year and a little more. And so thanks for you know giving of yourself to the running world in so many different capacities, but also just for you know kind of enjoying it with us too. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's kind of ironic, like how things have come full circle, not only with the racing and then asking you guys to help me in coaching um, as a runner. So it's uh, kind of a kind of a fun conversation. So I'm looking forward to this. Well, we weren't going to necessarily give that volunteer that information up ourselves. No, I'll throw it out there. I'll throw it out there. (laughs) Well, we yeah, we've appreciated being able to work with you in that capacity, too. Um, It's you know, it's it's always a lot of fun. And I I find this as someone who's coached a number of different kinds of like I coached high school, middle school, you know, some of those things. And I think one of the dynamics that always so enjoyable when you can get to know an athlete in that sense as well is you just you kind of see the heart of a person in a much clearer picture. And I've always enjoyed that. And I've appreciated, you know, you, you've had some bumps in the road, as Everybody all of us runs. have. And, <laughs> um, you know, and, and some of those bumps have been forced upon you, like with the COVID situations and those things. And some of them are, you know, the unpredictable incidentals with injuries and such. And um, so I've just, you know, I've appreciated being able to kind of see the fight in in, in your own experience. And it, more than anything, hope that we can just support you getting beyond, you know, some of the, the places and meeting, meeting some of the goals. And Absolutely. Such. Thanks. Yeah. So that's not the main reason that we're talking here, although certainly uh, enjoy these conversations, but um, just really wanting to pick your brain for, first about the upcoming event. So you're the one who makes Rivertown races happen, and we have enjoyed that race ourselves personally. Um, we've been talking about it on air now for a number of weeks and did so last year as well prior to everything. Um, and there's a reason for that because we've enjoyed the event. We know so many people who do enjoy the event and um, just appreciate that, you know, it's, it's an intimate thing that is available. You know, the, the course is accessible. It's a good place for running. Um, it's an easy experience to be able to, you know, jump into if I'm not super well prepared for a race. But at the same time, it's one that we see so many people targeting and really being a big focus event. And so we love seeing the, the many different dynamics. So for yourself, 
thank you for coming on to be willing to just get into some of that experience for us. I think my first and my my biggest question always with these things, and you're wearing the shirt there, so we we had to at least mention this. Um, it, remind me, what's the significance of that shirt? So. The Rivertown race is, is a race that is near and dear to my heart. It was my very first ever half marathon back in uh, 2013. Um, so after a very, very long time of being very inactive of, you know, through college, through professional life, I reached out to my brother and who is an amazing runner himself. Um, I said, hey, I'm thinking about getting back into running. What do you think? And he said, well, absolutely. I have a half marathon in mind. Here's a training plan that I'm going to recommend, and I will pace you at this first half marathon. I said, awesome. So I, I did the plan, um, followed it, and race morning, here we go. It's 2013. Uh, the Boston Marathon had just happened the Monday prior with the, the bombing, and you know a lot of people recognized that, and we had a moment of silence and got really emotional. I was like, oh, my goodness, not only am I running with my brother, the, the you know, the Boston bombing had just happened. And this is my first ever half marathon. Like I was overwhelmed with emotion. Um, and my brother is right before it said, I will pace you as long as you do not complain. If you complain one time, I'm leaving, I'm going to leave you and you're on your own. And I said, absolutely. I will gut through this, whatever. And felt amazing up until about mile 10. And I started feeling it because again, I hadn't like, I did the training, but it's just like at the pace, I was like, eh, I'm kind of cringing, whatever. He was like, you got this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And I got to like mile 12. He was like, all right, we're going to start pushing. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so all of a sudden we are just starting to go faster and faster and faster. At that time, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, we're going lightning speed. Well, it happened that last mile was a 730. And I thought that was like wicked fast at that time for me. Yep. Um, and we finished it and like it was like an 815 overall like holy cow i'd finished my first ever half marathon at rivertown and um ever since that day i'm just like okay i i want to do more and i don't even know how many half marathons i've been able to do but because he was willing to stick with me it was my very first so this this race is means a lot to me personally um you know not only because he was there with me but i got to complete something that I never thought I was going to be able to do ever and continue to just reignite that, that love of running from there on. So it's great. It is. And that's, you know, that's one of the, we all know this, you know, as runners, that's one of the powerful moments in running is the opportunity to do a thing that I never thought I'd be able to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think just about everybody who runs for a long enough period of time has that moment. And many of us, that moment is the first time completing a run and, yeah. and substantially running for a while and thinking I, I did that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, and, and I've, you know, Rivertown Races has, has some near and dear places in, in all of our hearts then, and it, certainly at this table. So I'll tell my story. Briefly. Absolutely. Um, I love this story. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, so to your audience, when I heard this story last year, I like literally, it was just the most amazing thing. So I cannot wait for everybody to know what I've known for a year and was so excited for everybody to know. Wow, the anticipation. It's, <laughs> it's so big. So we'll tell that story in about 10 minutes or so. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, all right, so this, this is how it went for us. Uh, so I've done Rivertown races. I don't know exactly how many times, three, four or so. 
and um, have, have enjoyed every, every time, but uh, it hasn't necessarily been a consistent part of my racing experience in the spring. And some years I've done it and other years not. Well, this year in particular was 2016, and it was a fairly busy week for us. Um, actually, it wasn't very busy for me. Um, <laughs> I spent a lot of time sitting around, but it was busy for Andy as she was in the process of attempting to have our first child. 63 hours of labor. <laughs> So things didn't go according to plan in that instance. Um, That's so many hours. Yeah, it was uh, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> it was a Tuesday when we went into the hospital, mm-hmm. um, and and it was to be induced. There were there were some concerns about the pregnancy, so she was to be induced. And on a Tuesday, we went into the hospital, and stayed there until Friday afternoon of that week when Miles was finally born, um, and and healthy and all things well, which was just you know a great blessing. It was very exciting. Um, however, after, you know, the child is born once again, as the father, especially, I have a lot of not doing much that tends to happen, or at least <laughs> that was my impression of it. Um, Andy slept through most of it until <laughs> that <laughs> is not true. It, just putting that out there. Did, the sleeping part did, did not, we happen. not talk about the 63 hours. So I'm was intentionally belittling that just to see what Andy will say in reaction. Yeah, it was, it was quite the time. So she was exhausted. Um, and, it, you know, it was one of those things where I had signed up for this race, Rivertown Races, which was to be, we're not in full agreement yet, the next day. It was, it was scheduled for the next day after Miles was born. And I was thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to do that to Andy, to Miles. And, um, which is gonna, fair. Yeah, fair, yes. uh, fair. Um, but there was an opportunity to make a little bit of money, which, you know, as, as a new father, you're always looking for how can I – care for my family in better and bigger ways. And, you know, making a little bit of money is one way. Um, also, it was not the most exciting time sitting in the hospital, sitting around. So I'm, I've been there. I've done that. I get it. But this is so much harder to tell the story when Andy's sitting next to me. So much easier to belittle her. I don't think that I like that. She's in the middle right now. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, so what ended up happening was um, family was around. So her parents especially were were very present at that time. And it came up in conversation like, uh, you know, I, I was signed up for this race. And we together all kind of agreed there's not much going on. There's other people to help. Just go run it. Go do it. So uh, the day after my first son was born, I was feeling great, minus the sleep, but uh, lack of sleep, but feeling great, feeling excited. So we went out there and ran the race. And not only did I run it, but uh, on the finish line, Andy showed up with newborn baby and uh, her father and my father-in-law to, you know, cheer me through the finish line. And I'm like, wow, you know, of course, he's not going to remember that at one day, not even a day old, 12 hours old or however many it was. Uh, But, you know, that was that was a moment I won't forget. And Andy might not either, <laughs> for other reasons. I'm actually surprised I remember it, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. Not that it wasn't magnificent, but that, you know, I went through all of that trauma beforehand. <laughs> trauma equals memories, That's right? <laughs> Good either and bad. forget it completely yeah. or never forget it at all. Yeah. Yeah. So Rivertown Races, it's, it's, it's near and dear to our hearts. So mm-hmm. why is the event then, for the people who are considering it, why is it a good event for us to participate in this year? So one of the great things uh, for your audience in West Michigan, it is one of the first live in-person events. Um, we've been working. I feel like with, we need to cheer for a second. Can yeah, we, yeah, we cheer? That's yeah, good. yeah. We're we're excited too. Um, so it's been really a lot of collaborative communication with some other race directors, um, talking with the health department, 
and we want to all put on safe events for our participants and make sure that our protocols are in line with what the health department expects us to do. Um, so between, you know, various people reaching out and a lot of just talking and negotiating of just like, what is going to be best for our community? What is going to be safe for our community? Um, the health department locally has given us some guidelines that we are, are expected to follow. Um, and, you know, so we've put that on our run sign up page of, you know, very basic things. You wear a mask to the start line. You know, once you start, you know, cross the, the start line, you know, you can take the mask off. But, you know, again, put it on when you're when you're done. I mean, just some basic expectations that we expect, you know, most people to follow. Um, you know, so we're just we're just excited that we can put something on, um, you know, that is going to be good for our community. Um, you know, another example is aid stations and, you know, before it was just like bottled water. Well, we can do cups as long as, you know, certain protocols are, are being followed. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just, again, excited that we're <laughs> able to offer in-person, you know, races. As long as everybody is okay with following certain things and give a little so that we can have more of these in the future. Yeah, that's and that's key. You know, we, we, we need to be understanding as participants to, um, and I, you know, I think about, how easy it is for me when, when we've looked at some of the situations of, you know, we could do this event, but here's the hoops to jump through, if you will. Um, and it's easy for me to get frustrated in those kinds of moments. Cause I'm just like, I just want to race and mm -hmm. I can, I can bet some of our listeners feel the same way in that sense. Um, but that's exactly how we're going to be able to have these races. Right. So we appreciate, you know, from yourself, the clarity, and this is what we need to expect so that we can do the event. And so we can have more opportunities with things like this. And for the rest of us, you know, we just want to race. So we'll, we can step through a couple of, you know, these protocols so we can get out there and finally have this opportunity. So excited. Yeah. So, I mean, there are two, two people in particular that I would like to actually give a lot of credit to. Um, one of them is Ryan Walkus, who is my co-race director for Rivertown. Um, he's also the race director for Tri Walloon um, and also um, the Millennium Tri. Um, so he, he is my kind of partner in crime with, with Rivertown. Uh, but the other guy, and you guys know him really well, is Kyle Cutler. Um, he's done a lot of communication with the health department and has helped a lot of these, you know, push these guidelines through, um, which they have a race coming up with Run GR um, very, very soon, too. So two two really important parts of, of you know, being able to, to make this happen as well. So I do, I do want to recognize those guys, too. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we appreciate that. And then everyone else does, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So anything else in terms of the event itself that is helpful in preparing for that experience particularly? So one thing that um, people are going to expect is wave starts. Um, you know, a lot of people expect, you know, big mass starts, which I mean, I think at this point, racers are going to be very understanding and expect, you know, smaller groups. Um, so we are going to do wave starts within the guidelines of the health department. Um, so we're going to be starting a little bit earlier than, than normal, um, with, with our race, but it's going to be at least at this point, at least nine to 12 different waves, um, based on pace. So when people sign up, they're going to be having to enter their time and, you know, it just make sure that you, um, be realistic with, with your time and your goals. And, you know, so that we're, we're not going to place you in a wave that is going to, you know, set you up to fail. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously the mass protocol, like I, I talked about, you know, limited aid stations. And if that's not enough for you, 
you know, bring your own aid. And we do encourage that. Um, the one thing that, that we all love is the post-race gathering and, and the camaraderie and, you know, just that, just, Hey, look what we just did. And we accomplished, um, we encourage everybody to go home and, you know, celebrate with their family. Um, you know, and that's the, the other hard part is, you know, telling people stay home, you know, if, if you're not feeling well and just, just be very honest. And before you even show up, just if you have a temperature, you know, that type of thing. So, um, you know, again, some pretty basic things, but, you know, like I said, we want to put on a safe event, but we have to follow what, you know, the protocols that we have. Absolutely. Well, and, and we'll put on our coach hat for just a moment and say, if you are not feeling well, that's not the time to run a race, folks, for, for health reasons. <laughs> not the time to run a race when you're not necessarily healthy, because um, in many ways that makes it take longer to get healthy. But all that aside, we do appreciate. And so, yeah, thanks for the clarity. And I know that more information is always coming out, too, as you know, some of the specifics. too. Yep. So thank you. So then in thinking about, because that's one part of our intended conversation here, but uh, we've also got a lot of respect for some of the things you do in your own running, in particular with how you do um, many of the races that you do over the years. So in particular, you like to be a pacer. Mm -hmm. And this now I want to make the connection here because you were talking earlier with your brother and um, I appreciate his uh, his ultimatum. So (laughs) if you're going to be paced by me, you can't complain. First, my first question, when you pace anyone else in a race, do you tell them that first? Um, No. I was kind of hoping. No, you would. no. But maybe if you were, if you, if it was your brother, <laughs> if maybe <it> was, <laughs> if it was my brother. Now, so the funny thing is, and and how things have kind of changed is now I'm faster than my brother, and I made it well known. So when I ran Chicago in 2019 and I beat his PR by 12 minutes, my first person that I called was my brother to say, you know, hey, I'm faster than you now. So, you know, so my my marathon time is is faster than him. So, so I'm pacing him now, mm-hmm. which is kind of like kind of fantastic. So if I, yeah, if I'm pacing him, you know, I'll I'll give him some grief for that too. So, um, so for example, um, one of the, the great races I love putting pacers together for is the Amway Riverbank run. Um, a lot of favorite for a lot of the West Michigan people here. Um, and I have the opportunity to pace the two hour club, which is a huge deal for a lot of people to get that 25 K under two hours. Um, if you're in my group, all you're going to hear for, you know, the 15 and a half miles is a bunch of really bad dad jokes. So, you know, we try and make it light and fun and get you to take your mind off of what you're actually doing. So, you know, and, and I, like I told you a year ago, like the, the job of the pacer is not only to make the race, you know, you know, consistent, but to make it fun and to make it enjoyable um, as much as possible, but to get you to that goal that you set out and you don't have to say a word let us do the talking and if you're annoyed with that then you should run faster in front of us so you don't hear us anymore so (laughs) you know but again that that just the fun of of pacing is like putting yourself out there Hmm. so that other people that you do the work so the other people don't feel like they are doing the work yeah you know that's one of the reasons why i think i'm bad at pacing people is because in an effort to better the experience for them I, well, maybe this makes me good at pacing people because I make them want to leave me behind. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't, I can't think of something to say, you know, for some, for some reason. And, and many of us, you know, are better and worse at these kinds of things. But I get in that moment where it's like, all right, I'm going to just try to, you know, keep it light and simple for them so they don't have to think about anything. And then I just start telling stories about bears and, you know, I just go, I, 
my mind goes everywhere. So oh, yeah. one of my questions has always been, as I think about this for you, is, is do you have certain kinds of things that you intentionally plan to talk about or things that you, you generally try to focus on that you know are, are better things for people to be thinking about when you're pacing? Um, honestly, that's a great question. That really is. Um, so like, again, you talk about very various topics of, you know, basically where you're from or who's the furthest away. And then somebody will say something. And I was like, oh my gosh, I visited that city. You know, so you try and find some, some similarities to, to talk about and then try and connect the group that way. Um, and again, I'm going to refer back to the Riverbank run, you know, and that two hour club, that group starts so big, you know, and a lot of people are on the same page of just like, I want to be, um, you know, at this pace. So I want to be a part of this conversation and then more people add in and then we start, we stop the talking, but then halfway through, then you lose a good chunk of that, that group. And then you find more, more information to talk about. And so you get them to talk. And again, it's taking their mind off of what they're actually doing, you know? So it, it just depends on, on where they're at. And if you notice somebody that's struggling, then all of a sudden it becomes a way more intimate conversation. Um, in, in our case, we usually have about, you know, three or four pacers. Um, usually one of us will, will sit back with that person and, and just have a, a conversation with them. But, you know, it's all about that consistency and, and talking them up and literally coaching them through and getting them through during that time. So it's, it's a mental game. And, you know, I know you guys have talked about on, on your podcast about the, the mental aspect of, of running. Um, and I think I reached out to you guys too about, you know, that mental aspect and, you know, the psychological, psychological part of the running um, and, and having those goals. It's just like, dude, you worked so hard for this. Let's keep going. You only have like two more miles. We only have 15 minutes. You can do anything for 15 minutes, whatever you can talk about mm -hmm. anything, I mean, you could talk about kitchen cabinets. I, I don't care. Right. What can you talk about to take your mind off of what you're actually doing? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's great. And, you know, I, I think you can appreciate the the emotional labor, I guess, is, is kind of the phrase that I'm thinking about. You know, so you're in education mm. and there's a lot of that kind of a dynamic when, you know, when we're talking about doing something to support people then we're entering into an emotional space, no matter what the kind of thing is and to whatever degree that may mean. And so in the midst of hard work physically, trying to enter into an emotional space supportively as well, that's, that's not a simple thing. So I, I can appreciate that not only you're willing to do that, you do it well. And part of doing that well also means executing the pacing duties and the consistency therein well. So I've always been curious, we talked about this a year ago, how do you prepare yourself to be able to pace well and accurately like that um so one one of the things that that i've done usually um before any race is that you know take about two weeks before you know and you actually practice that pace um you know and typically when when people apply to pace you do it about a minute to a minute and a half slower of what your actual race pace is so it's it's a conversation pace so um you know we have a a core group of, of pacers that keep applying every single year. So I know that they've been consistent for us. They've been, you know, a solid rock for that certain pace. Um, and they're able to do it and do it successfully. Um, and, and get our, our participants through, you know, not only with Riverbank run with Riverdown races, uh, with other races that I've participated in, um, you know, so it's just you, you practice that pace over and over again. So you're used to that cadence, you're used to that breathing, you're used to just, you know, 
step and step and step. Um, so right. It's, it's like a machine, you know, it's like you're on the, this never ending treadmill, you know, which is not a bad thing, but you know, that's the, that's the job of that pacer. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a job, but it's a job that so many of these people love to do. And, and that's the payoff. Um, and I keep thinking back to the first race that I ever paced going back to my brother. Um, he brought me in at Grand Rapids marathon, um, back in 2014. So, so I'd ran Rivertown races in 2013. And then the following year, he was just like, well, shoot, you just do a full. Oh, and by the way, you're going to pace it too. And I was like, dude, you got to be kidding me. So sure enough, I, I paced that year, uh, a full marathon and, um, it, it was the most exhilarating thing. It was a pace that I had never, never done before. 10, 15 miles. I've never run that pace ever. It was the most rewarding thing because the, the people that, that we got to know over those 26 miles were the most grateful, mm -hmm. achieved their goal. Like it was an amazing experience to say, you know, I helped you reach your goal, you know, and out of the, I think five or six that we had run with four of them first marathon ever, mm -hmm. you know? So it, again, it's like things like that, that stick with you so many years later that like we helped them get there. Not, not me personally, but we as a team, as a pace team. So, you know, I, you know, fast people, they're awesome. I love them. <laughs> I love watching them run, but there are a core group of people that just, you know, love to run because they, they just love the sport of running. They're not out there to win. They're out there to achieve their goals. And, and if we're a part of that, awesome. And, you know, so we're, we're happy that pacers can be out there to help them. Yeah. That's oh, huge. And so in, in just reflecting then on, cause you, you train at times to pace races, you train at times to race races, you know, obviously it's a different kind of focus and a different kind of dynamic. Um, do you feel like you are motivated differently when preparing for something that's for yourself versus that? Cause you've talked so much about how valuable the supporting someone else as they're achieving their goals aspect is, does that change your motivation in the preparation as well? I think it's an equal goal because I know that, you know, the goals that I want to achieve for myself would be the goals that somebody else would want to achieve as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel it's at an equal level um, because I, again, I, I want somebody else to achieve what I can achieve on my own, but that's my job to help them achieve that goal. So, you know, in my upcoming race, I know that I'm going to depend on a pacer and I, my plan is to stick with them through, you know, about 12, 13 miles and then do my own thing because that's what I found successful for me. Um, that's what I did in Chicago in 2019. I stuck with a certain pacer through 12 miles and then I, I just was able to just kind of move on my own. So, you know, the pacer needed a pacer to help me achieve what I wanted to do, you know? So it's not just the, the, the pacers that just like, oh, well, I can just do whatever and I can just run my own race. No, I depend on them too. You know, because there there are people that make me a better runner and it's people like that, you know, like, you know, and I, I know one of my training buddies, Mark, um, he makes me a better runner because he's faster than me. And I know that, but he makes me a better runner because he challenges me and he paces me. So like I depend on that, too. So a lot of components kind of going on, too, yeah. you know.
So if there are people like me, for instance, who I've done just a tiny bit of pacing in my life, what are some tips that you'd give to people who would like to start pacing? Like they, maybe they've been running their whole lives, but haven't been able to give back in this way and been part of like that pacing team. Um, what would you say? Like, where do you run with the people? Do you run ahead? Do you like, how do you use aid stations? Any tips would be great. So when a story that comes in, in, in mind is actually one of my old college buddies and he wanted to get into pacing and I, I suggested another race for him. So he wanted to run a, a larger race that I was organizing. Um, and I said, well, we already have some experienced people, you know, I would suggest this. Um, but well, while you're training, you know, make sure that you're able to run consistently. Again, that's, that's just the biggest thing. Like I said, you know, I start about two weeks before knowing what pace I need to run. Um, you know, talk about aid stations, talk about nutrition, make sure that you're knowledgeable about it. Because if you, if you can't do it yourself, then why would you give that knowledge to somebody that you're not going to do? You know, it's just like, just like teaching. You're not going to teach a kid, you know, math skills to say, well, you don't really need this, but I'm going to teach it to you anyway. You know, make it a, a viable part of your, your training, you know, just like no different than this math problem. Okay. You're going to use this later on in life. Here's an example why. So you correlate the, the two. Um, but just to get into pacing, reach out, reach out to race directors, you know, reach out to anybody that you know to say, you know, hey, I want to help. How can I help? Throw yourself out there. And, you know, what, what's the harm? That's what I did. Honestly, another story, Charlevoix Marathon. I reached out to that race director and I said, hey, do you guys need pacers? And she was like, absolutely. So we put together a half and full marathon pacing team. And I was able to work with that race director for a couple of years. And then, boom, I became a race director. So, you know, you, you, you plant the seeds and, and you get involved in races. And then you find this passion that you didn't know that was there. And then, oh, my gosh, you love helping people. You love putting on races and you love creating opportunities. And here we are, you know. So you're able to cultivate this passion and give back to the running community that you never knew that was going to be there. So that, that And that's a huge payoff for me because – we are providing opportunities to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, ju you just provided what might be one of the greatest summary statements of a conversation I think we've had yet, which is, you know, just in talking, if I can reflect very briefly on our conversation here, um, we're really talking about the, the kinds of opportunities and uh, you yourself involved in providing opportunities and supporting people in those opportunities in a lot of different capacities. So in so many ways, appreciating that running is, is, is so much more than just a person going out and trying to do something by themselves. And I think, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap as runners of I'm, I'm doing this alone, especially in an instance where, you know, many of us have to do most of our training alone and we don't necessarily have frequent race opportunities. It kind of just feels like a solo experience. Um, but, but we're always craving that instance where I can feel like I'm part of something beyond myself at the mm -hmm. same time. And this is huge. You know, so certainly if I'm looking for that um, within the race itself, things like pacing, you know, that's huge because you become that team effort in that sense. Um, but even just then thinking about Rivertown coming up here and how fortunate we are that you and your team have been willing to put together something despite all of the things going on. And, uh, and there's an opportunity there. And, 
So, you know, we've, we come back to this so often in conversations, um, a study done not terribly long ago in uh, Poland, I believe it was, where they were looking at a, a road race, big mass event kind of thing. And they're asking the participants of four options, what was the thing that was the most compelling about participating in the event? And it was something like 79% of respondents, number one choice was the shared experience. And so we have that. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate you in so many senses, as, as we've said, for helping provide these shared experiences. And, and, well, and that's really the end goal of, of these things, you know. And as I was a high school runner and then took a lot of time off and now back into the racing community, it's so rewarding to give back what the racing has done for me, um, you know. And those people who know my story that was overweight, just absolutely, my health was just absolutely terrible. Um, to go from literally 260 pounds to where I'm at now. And it was because of running, because of that consistent, you know, effort and wanting to give back to our racing community has allowed me to do so much more with my life and my story. Um, you know, and one of the biggest factors was my kids, mm -hmm. you know, because like, I'm like, I went to the doctor and they're just like, okay, you need to lose weight. You need to do this. You need to do this, or you're going to have a massive heart attack by the time that you're 35. Mm -hmm. And I looked at my two daughters and I'm like, holy cow, th this is, this is huge. And not only with, with that, and, and that's, that's where that story started. And I told that to my brother, he was like, dude, you need to get it together. And that year, the year before he stopped smoking. And, and, and that's, that's a part that he doesn't like talking about, but you know, it just, when I told him that he was just like, okay, you're going to get started on this. And that's that, what the catalyst of what started me running again. Um, you know, I was a 17 minute 5k guy in high school. Like I was, I, I was okay. Yeah. I was average, yeah. you know? I mean, I still remember like, I'm going to totally throw this out there. My senior year. Okay. Dathan was a freshman just blew right past me it was the most amazing thing and my gosh just watching him run was was awesome so i just wanted to throw that out there cross-country mate i was just like man senior year i'm all that i'm ready to go and then this little kid from rockford and it just comes zoomed. i was like who's that what's going on here so you know but it just like those experiences and and just thinking about like where i was in high school and then just like absolutely stopped and then like those unhealthy lifestyle choices and all that weight and just not even trying. And then just throwing that out to my brother, I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. Um, you know, and it was, it was hard. It was a mental game and it was a, a really hard personal choice to make that lifestyle change. Um, so, I mean, it, I always throw that out. I was like, dude, if I can do it, anybody seriously can. And it was just like literally one step outside. Even now with, with some of my training, that first mile is terrible is absolutely terrible. And I, I hate that first mile. And like even today's run, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this first mile is absolutely awful. <laughs> and you know, and then you need to get into a groove and you know, and then, and then you just find it, mm -hmm. you know, and then you just, it's just, the miles just fly right by, you know? And it's just, I love being able to still pace and still give back in that way. Um, so it's, is it always the fastest? No, but you know what? We're providing opportunities every single time that we're out there. Mm -hmm. So if there's races with pacers, you know what? It's okay to say thanks. 
it's okay to get to know them yeah. and actually call them by name and get to you know know their story because they have a story too they have a story of why they're there and why they want to help you so get to know them it's asking me mad because like I'm getting cheesy here, but you know <laughs> Disney is supposed to be a place where that makes dreams come true. But Pacers are making dreams come true. Yes, everywhere. Yeah, I just love that so much because I I think about you know all of these goals and all this effort that we're trying to like that we're putting in to try to reach goals, and race day is difficult. And having that support on race day is mm-hmm. is such an amazing gift because all the work has already been done and we just need to see what we're capable of on the day. And Pacers really can help you do that. Absolutely. So. Lean on them. Making dreams come yep. true. There you go. <laughs> so speaking of dreams come true and Rivertown races, if we can just close it off by saying how can people most easily sign up for that race? So easily, rivertownraces.com. Uh, is the best way to to sign up. Um, follow us on social media. We're at Rivertown Races um, or on Instagram at Rivertown Races. I mean, it's all pretty basic. It's right there. Um, you know, so reach out to us, message us if you have any questions about the COVID protocols, if you have any questions about, you know, the wave entries or anything like that. Um, you know, it's, it's really easy to email. I do my best to respond within at least 24 hours. If, if it's over 24 hours, then, you know, then something's wrong, but you know, and that's another thing. It's just, you know, we want our participants to ask questions if, if there's anything, especially with, with COVID, we know that that has changed a lot of, of people's perception about races and how safe it is. Um, but again, we are following the guidelines of the health department, and we are very grateful that they are on board with giving us some very um, clear and concise guidelines moving forward. Definitely. And don't forget about that promo code A to Z underscore 2021 for your 10% off. So here's, here's I'm going to throw this out. So I will give away two race entries to anybody that you guys choose that comments on this podcast. Um, in any way, shape, or form. All right. Okay, so I'll let you guys pick the winners, and then uh, we'll we'll figure out how to get them a coupon code to uh, give away a couple of race entries. And Sweet. and because my friends at Riverbank have been very gracious, I will give out two Riverbank entries as well. So I'm going to throw that out day. too. I know. So <laughs> so to any of your podcast listeners that would like to compete for these, you have four race entries to um, to give out. So, you know, whatever contest that you want to do, um, I just wanted to throw that out. So there's a there's a little surprise for you. All right, we've got some. <laughs> Thank race you. Entries. That's so Thank fun. You. Definitely. So Rivertown races. That's April 24. So keep in mind that's coming up quickly here. And then Riverbank is going to be in October. That's correct. All right. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for joining us, for sharing, and, and certainly your time and, and your willingness to come here and talk with us in studio. I know. It's, it's exciting, fantastic. Isn't it? Yes. Very good. So we got all the lights shining bright and certainly just, you know, with with everything going on, best of luck certainly in Rivertown and just putting all the pieces together, but also in your own running. You know, we appreciate that we've been able to support you in that Absolutely. more directly and, and certainly hope the best for you there too. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate you guys having me. Well, what a pleasure it was to sit with Andrew and talk to him directly, but also to hear his thoughts and experiences around this world of, you know, what does it mean to support other runners? And there's so many ways to do that. And this uniquely in actually running with them to help them achieve their goals is so powerful. Mm -hmm. So 
three things. Here you go. In kind of recapping and reflecting on that conversation. Uh, first, training to be a pacer, I thought it was so important when he discussed how you really have to know the pace. Yeah. Like your body needs to know the pace you need to run. And of course, it's not supposed to be a pace that's especially hard for you to run because they want it to be easy enough that it's something you can do easily for the sake of other people. And mm -hmm. so that makes a ton of sense. But of course, even if it's an easy pace, you still need to be able to do it reliably. Yeah. And that's not always simple. No. <laughs> so. And I think pacers, when they're doing it officially, are supposed to be within a minute of the first half marathon. So if you're not, that's not considered doing your pace duties. Mm -hmm. So that's really dialed in to be able to do it yeah. in a half marathon to the very minute. <laughs> yeah. So I've been in scenarios. I uh, don't, don't talk about this much. Andy might not even know this, where I've been paid to pace races. And I didn't know that you have. I didn't think she did know this. Uh, and we're talking about like track 5Ks, like okay. like aggressive collegiate level, trying to run really fast times kind of thing. And the pay was contingent upon two things. One, that I hit almost exactly. I couldn't be too fast, couldn't be too slow, almost exactly the target at whatever point in the race the target was set. Usually for like a 5K, it's like two miles in or something like that. You got to hit it almost exactly. The margin of error was very small, like two seconds or something. Mm. And so that's you know, a little bit of pressure there. But also, if the athletes hit the time they wanted by the end, there's another contingency on that as well. So it's not only that I do my job and get them through a certain point, but if I can help them get to that final point in the time that they wanted. So anyway, this is, this is neither here nor there except to say these things are challenging. They're, yeah. they're not easy because we it's a different kind you, of... We intimidate you because we want you to try it. Right. <laughs> we want you to understand what Andrew is articulating, yeah. that there's there's a time and effort. So when you're in a race and you see that pacer holding the, holding the flag or, or the ones who are around them wearing the pace shirt, understand what goes into that. And, mm -hmm. and that's substantial. Yeah. Now, of course, thing number two, just the help during the race. Yeah, you got to be the you got to be the cheerleader, the encourager, but you also have to be able to keep people's minds productive. And for you know, this is difficult because you know we don't all feel productively in our minds in the same way. And so the pacer is trying to read the group, like and talk about things that they want to talk about, or um, you know ask questions or answer questions about things that are relevant to the experience. You know all that kind of stuff is important to think about. So. Mm -hmm a lot on your mind in the race as a pacer. That's uh, no small thing. And I really can appreciate uh, those who give that a whirl. Yeah. And then of course the motivation. And that is exactly it. As Andrew was sharing, it's such a rich experience to be able to support others en route to achieving their goals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that's where the, the empathy experience, you know, as a runner, we know what that feels like. So we can share in the feeling, but then to actually share in the experience with you, mm -hmm. it's just incredible. So when you have an opportunity to pace with others, even if it's just jumping in a race with a friend, even if it's, you know, jumping in a crew with like what Andrew puts together for some of these big races, do it. Yeah. And I appreciated bringing it for full circle how Andrew was so generous with sharing about his story and how life changing it was for him to have his brother pace him mm -hmm. for that very first half marathon and how that redirected his life as he knew it and allowed for him to be more healthy. And then, of course, help foster this amazing running community and has given back so much. Incredible. What an experience and and what a conversation. Thank you, Andrew. Yes. And of course, as promised, we have details, <laughs> race entries yes. for free. Yes. If you would like to run in the sold out Rivertown races half marathon, you can still do that. And by the way, these entries are good for any of the events. So if you want to do 5K or 10K or something as well, yeah. 
good for that too. Mm-hmm. Two entries. Yes. And so what you need to do first is subscribe for free at a to z running.com. You get lots of great coupon codes and great content coming your way. And you'll also be posting or messaging us about someone who's impacted you mm. during a race. So it doesn't need to be an official pace situation, but someone who may have a Uh, encouraged you, even if it was someone on the sideline. So just give us your community experience during a race. Excellent. And just remember that you can only win if you're a subscriber. So if you've already done that, you're one step closer to being a cool person. And if you haven't, you have a chance to be a cool person simply by going to adzrunning.com. Look for the word follow. Yes. And when you do post on social media, make sure you tag me so that I can see it and know that you have entered that way. And I have no idea what it means to tag people on social media, but (laughs) if you want someone else to be it, tag Andy. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. 